welcome to another episode of the Business Exchange, How Business Works, uh, brought to you by the American Business Council. On this program, we bring to our audience fresh insights on different sectors from business executives and experts, and also share deep dive into the biggest stories in business. My name is Margaret Olele, your host. Now, today, our discussion will be on the Nigeria's um, um, animation industry. Uh, I know that um, recently, um, Hollywood and entertainment reporter at Forbes, Rob, uh, made a comment about the boom in the global market uh, demand for animated content. And from the little research we did, uh, we found out that the global animation business um, in 2018, and I think this is really an obsolete uh, um, finding, but at least it shows the level of and the size of the of of of, of the industry. So it's from what we gathered, it's 259 billion dollar in 20 dollars in 2018. While the gaming industry alone accounts for $173.7 billion. Now, what are the prospects for the growth of this industry in, in Nigeria? And what policies should we really be looking at to enable this uh, growth? Please join the program. Follow us on at abcouncil underscore ng on Instagram and on LinkedIn American Business Council Nigeria. And please use the hashtag, hashtag the ABC Business Exchange to continue the conversation. Now, on this special episode, I have with me Mr. G.D. Martin. Now, I had the first time I heard about G.D. Martin was strangely on CNN. Um, he is the, 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 the chief um, executive officer at the Comic Republic. That sounds like a country of his own. His startup has been extensively covered by local and international media in all seven continents of the world for the, uh, the death, the in-depth work and quality of the the, uh, the the company's comic books and the unique uh, business model. Gide, welcome to the show. Thank you much for having me. Thank you so much, Gide. I I'm I'm, I'm grateful. Thank you. <laughs> now, um, Dollywood is the second largest film industry in the world, but there aren't as many animated features and films as one would like to see, considering the growth of the indigenous animation industry in the last 10 years. Why is this so? I mean, we'd expect that as, you know, Nollywood is getting all the, um, you know, accolades, we're also going to see that, you know, um, coming out from the animation industry. Uh, but why are we not seeing it as, as, as we should? Yeah, that's a very good question. But I will start with throwing another question back and, you know, we'll get our answers from there. Even Perfect. though we say that Nollywood is the biggest or second biggest film industry in the world, is it financially though? And at what ratio? Right? Where we have one uh, movie from Europe, you know, literally breaking in um, the amount it will take us 20 movies to make. Um, I was talking to one of the biggest um, film producing companies in Europe and they were literally telling us that the largest budget they use for most of their films are just $15,000, which literally is somewhere around 10,000, I mean 10 million naira. So again, um, is really on the books when it comes to investment and finance is Nollywood actually the second biggest industry in the world. Now you reflect that to the animation industry and you find that, that it becomes evident why the animation industry isn't growing. We don't have capacity for such things in our country. 
um, and it is left for the individual animators or animation production studios to develop capacity on their own. But we're looking at an industry that needs millions in investment in um, equipment alone, talkless of resources, and I mean human resources. Um, you, you need to have large server rooms, you need to have render firms with heavy capacity equipment that need to run on 24-7 light. So when you bring the fact of actually having capacity just on the equipment level alone, then it becomes you know, immensely difficult for the industry to thrive because the system, which is the country, does not provide or support it. You know, you, you got me thinking about a lot of things because, you know, it's it's easy for us to say, oh, you know, um, Nollywood is the second largest, um, you know, um, entertainment industry or film in, in, in industry in the, in, in, the, in the world. But you're, you're looking at this now, uh, you know, from a different perspective, the, the perspective of cost, um, you know, the cost ratio, you know, and the profitability. And, and and all that. So uh, for me, that would be an interesting conversation for 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 another day, day because um, uh, we. I mean, it's always it's good to say it's nice to say that we're we are we're the second um, largest, right? And and something else you have um, brought to the fore, which is uh, unfortunately the perennial challenge you know we have is is the issue around having the right you know the the, the infrastructure the 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 um, you know the human resources that that can actually help drive it, but more importantly, the enabling environment that can help drive the growth. If I hear you correctly, and and you know when 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 we look at this, you know, against what we see in other sectors, we find out that again, this sector is no different from it's not different from um, what other um, sectors are going through. Um, but what are the other peculiarities that you 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 feel um, that you know beyond these um, you know issues that have always been well our uh, our story sadly um, you know what what are the other peculiarities that you 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 think would would um, give give this um, industry kind of a jump start. Um, beyond beyond what you just mentioned, um, yeah, there are various things, and like every you know other industry, like you rightfully mentioned, there has to be a support system, um, you know, to help things jumpstart. You know, if you want to go back, for example, to the music industry a couple of years ago, you find that that you know if anybody came out to say they wanted to be a musician, nobody would take them seriously. But fast forward now. Because these artists have been able to find a way to export their music and start getting recognition outside Nigeria, and then because of that, start getting recognition inside, you find that now that the industry is booming. But even till today, most of our artists who are doing very well have to collaborate with one in one form or the other with you know uh, studios or bodies outside Nigeria before they become popular. Now bring that back to um, the creative industry you know in a place where um, there isn't proper investment and for any sector there has to be some kind of investment to start a with um, in order to build capacity you put in money to make money i'm trying to keep the terms as simple as possible so that you know anybody would understand but you know where you invest in the business strategy um certain licenses um infrastructure and all of that 
and then you project over time in order to make a profit. Now you come to, uh, to the industry in Nigeria where um, the powers that be, um, both in finance and in government, meaning in, in financial capacity and policy creation, do not recognize the industry because they simply do not understand it because it's not from an age that they grew up in. It becomes hard for them to provide the support system that would allow people in the creative industry. Let me share for the light. It becomes hard, for example, for Amazon to create an online store if there isn't proper internet infrastructure. Now, Amazon did not create the internet, but they are able to create the online store simply because the internet exists and it runs efficiently. Now, bring that back to the Nigerian um, animation space. It becomes, again, very hard for animators to attract human resources, meaning professionals in animation making when they cannot vouch that they would be able to make um, income from what they're doing, meaning they can't monetize effectively simply because they don't have the either a capacity to make the animation or even the distribution network to sell and monetize. So it, it kind of like stacks on each other. So the lack of infrastructure is not pushing professional motivation. We don't have enough professionals in the field. And hence, we're not doing, we're not creating the proper business of animation that will sell to the audience that it requires, which, as you rightfully said, it's a billion dollar business and it's a global one. But because the competition is stiff externally, you cannot create a subpar product that will eventually lead to monetization. So they stack on each other, but those are the issues. Thanks a lot. You know, it sounds like a dog always chasing after its own tail, you know, all in circles we go, you know, infrastructure, investments, you know, capacity. And at the end of the day, we 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 know what the issues are, but we, we need to have the, um, you know, the commitment to, to be able to get navigate that and the, um, the, the support from, you know, the um, the, the 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 public sector to to drive um to drive this this um enabling environment let's let's uh, move away from it so that we don't we don't we don't get dampened by you know, <laughs> 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 and you know, it's, uh, you know this, strangely i mean even just um, you know this afternoon i was i was discussing you know about the issue of investment and infrastructure and the commercial investment dialogue we've been having you know with both governments on what to do and the issue around entertainment gaming came up again you know with one of the government agencies and so uh, it goes on and on but like I said, let's let's move on um, and, and look at some point in our lives that you know we all felt very excited about uh, about, and that was the creation of the Black Panther comic into a movie. Um, and and we've seen you know um, since then a burgeoning interest and investment into African content. Has that Nigerian comic and animation industry taken hold of the global demand? You know for for the content, you know, so we have a lot of folklore. We have a lot of. I can think of well, it may not make an exciting story, but at least Japa and, and all over the folklore. I mean, of course, we're not going to. There's no superhero that will come in a, in the Japa form. I I don't know, but I mean, that's not. Yeah, there's there's so much, <laughs> you know. <laughs> just just jump into that, right? Yeah. I, I want to say that Black Panther has been. You know, when you say that 
miracle that has happened or that kick point for the African creative? Because it solved a lot of problems. So first things first was the, the international um, community did not believe that, you know, we could have solid investment in terms of the kind of numbers that they are looking for. Because let's not forget, people who invest want to invest in a business, right? And make, that just means making money. Um, and they believe they, there's literally, we had years, coming to public is about nine years old now. We had, we spent the four, five, first four to five years trying to prove to people that, um, you know, stories from Africa or about Africa or African heroes could actually be monetizable. And that just, we didn't have to prove anything. Immediately, Black Panther came out. And today, um, Nigeria as a community has not made as much in its GDP as much as the movie made alone, that one movie. Um, and so the international community sat up and started looking for African content. And you know, today as a business, Comic Republic is represented by one of the biggest agencies in America, which is CAA. We're discussing people like WME. Um, we just finished a comic book, which we published today for Facebook. 98% um, of our clients are from um, outside Nigeria. We've made comics for companies like DW, Dutchwella, which is the equivalent of BBC. We've made comics for BBC, Al Jazeera. Um, we've made comics for American companies. We just finished a series on cryptocurrency. Comic Republic as a whole is surviving because 98% of our clients are not from the country. And all of this got kickstarted after Black Panther, even though we had been doing Black superheroes before Black Panther. We knew there was something there. We knew that it was going to be here. It was tremendously difficult until Black Panther came out. Now, to be honest with you, I'm having meetings with people like Universal. Um, we have a studio about to make one of our movies simply because there's a fad now for superheroes, but most especially there's now a fad for black superheroes. So Black Panther changed the game. Um, it has now made people internationally who are invested, who have capacity um, in the field of comic making and animation to look into Africa. And it has kickstarted a revolution that will change everything. What most people don't understand is that um, the entertainment industry, what we're doing, actually is an exportable project um you can we can actually we have young nigerians who are talented and like i said we just finished a comic book for facebook and we were paid for it very well also now facebook came in because they saw that we had the capacity to actually make the comics and the comic was about misinformation just you know they would not have come to us in the first place if we didn't have the capacity to do it so yes black panther to answer your question directly, has changed um, the the global scene as it pertains to African stories. And as a Nigerian comic company, I must definitely say that it has also evolved, um, effect, affected us tremendously in a positive way. That, that's that's good to know. And um, and so, well, again, looking at the issue around content, is there a way we can um, kind of draw a reservoir of contents, you know, from different areas in 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 the country. Um, so, you know, is there is there is there work already happening around some um, 
around some interesting um, content that you know that are um, to use the word sellable for want of another word. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. it's doing that already. Put it together like a reservoir, the uh, database. You know, because uh, quite frankly, it's, it's a project I really like to do because I'm just I'm just thinking about it right now. I'm like, okay. I mean, this is something that we nobody has. I mean, it's there. It's almost like it's almost like the oil we have, you know, just to be tapped, you know. So who is bucketizing this? So you you've hit. You know, you've hit the point directly on the head. So, for example, what we do at Comic Republic is we're taking Nigerian stories, right? And we are telling the stories the same way any studio in America would. You know, we're, we're building a universe and we're building, you know, uh, a culture in comic book format that people can follow. Um, the movie that we're being that we're trying to make with Ireti and it's Ireti Morami based on the story of Morami, Queen Morami. But of course, we we'll put a little fiction in it. Um, the budget for the movie alone that has to be produced is somewhere in the space of $180 million. And we actually have studios that are actually sitting down to have serious conversations about making that movie. Um, we have characters like Shongo. Uh, we have a character that is even called Ajay, who you know is trying to explain the fact that it was when we were colonized that our female herbalists, who are people who treat people with herbs, in a traditional way, we're termed witches simply because, you know, um, the Western world at that time was patriarchal and, you know, men were trying to find ways to, to subdue women. And then they brought the culture of witches to us. Meanwhile, we had women who were just healers, right? Um, there's a lot of story we have, you know, we're doing, we converted a drama from um, a very brilliant woman called Mrs. Jaisemi. It's called Iton. And Eton is literally, you know, taking the bedtime stories that old women used to tell people under the trees, you know, and we're talking about, you know, our version of creation and how Ishembae, who created everything, puts, you know, different things in place, like in Moye, in Misi, and things like that. We have um, stories for about Amajora, who is the god of thunder, the evil god. I could go on. Yeah, um, and you know we have people asking us where can we get this rich culture. So imagine if one is a custodian of all of this rich, healthy culture that could be fictionalized and used for to tell America um, amazing global stories. Now that people pay, I mean we're talking about getting a writer who can write a good screenplay abroad, and we're looking at not less than five hundred thousand dollars. Imagine if that was a Nigerian who had all of these assets and creating the stories. So it is very monetizable in the world we are today. We just need to build that capacity and that, I like to use the word professionality, people who are actually proficient and professional in this field to provide the kind of stories and the quality of work that the international body needs. Because now it is an international global business. In fact, that takes me to another part of it, um, you know, uh, and that's the issue around copyright. So um, this, this um, rich plethora of work that we have, you know, most of them are traditional, um, you know, in, in the traditional uh, story uh, form, you know, folklore, um, oral tradition. How are we um, ensuring that we maintain uh, ownership? Uh, because, you know, there was this time someone told me that the word 
even I think the word Yoruba was was um, copyrighted or something, you know, in, in in another part of the world, and it goes on and on. So, what are we doing to ensure that what is ours remain ours? Um, I, you know, I again, one of the things I say is I go to when I go to some of the shops in out of the country, and I see a lot of these are um, adire, you know, and all that, and you know this. Typically, these designs are designs that um, come from the poor with the women in Abelkuta, you know, and all that, and, and nobody paid them for, for, for that. What are we doing about this? And, you know, what can, what do you think we can do? And how do you think, we, you know, stakeholders can work together? Maybe to even get the get government to be interested by letting them know that this is a wealth of uh, of 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 um, you know, some wealth we have, and you know, protecting them and investing in them could help, um, you know, drive further uh, fund funding and 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 uh, revenue into the country. Um, so you know, the issue of copyright in Nigeria is a case of, uh, for lack of a better word, and I use this word sparingly. I'm sure I'm not using it well. Is my people suffer from the lack of knowledge? Uh, in the sense that um, Nigeria has actually very, very good copyright laws, to be honest. We have one of the most difficult copyright laws available. And when I say difficult, meaning that they actually put you through certain steps to make sure that your stuff is copyrighted. But most importantly, a lot of copyright laws are covered internationally. So, for example, right, it actually will be very difficult for you to copyright um, word like Yoruba simply because copyright laws all over the world would not allow you to copyright something that is a part of the culture or norm. So, for example, you can't copyright man or girl or Yoruba or English simply because it is part of human culture and it already exists. It's a world that is in general used and is popular. But I can copyright the word um, Gide's Yoruba because those two things now create something new right also what most people don't know that in terms of copyright internationally all that is required is that you prove um, you provide proof of first creation this simply means if you have an idea put it down somewhere public and publish it so if you put an idea on facebook you put an idea on instagram you put an idea on any blog online that would effectively archive your work in the general public and you can prove by that publication that you are the first to publish it then you have provided some type of copyright protection at some level which you can actually defend um, that being said depending on how you want to go around so in nigeria as long as you a um, go to the copyright commission and then you register your work that works and we do have one where you can actually go and register your work um, and for example, you create a comic book, you know, Nigeria requires that you drop a copy of it at Copyright Commission and then it is stored there as evidence that you have created one. But also the mere fact that you published it under a name that is trademarked and copyrighted also in the public domain also protects your work. Um, if you want to move into a, um, an international uh, space and that's where it becomes a little more difficult in the sense of finance, because like everything else, you have to pay for it. And with the value of the naira depreciating every day, um, the exchange rate becomes more expensive as the naira depreciates. But you actually can still go and copyright your work 
in countries where if you copyright it, it is literally international in places like the US, the UK, and a couple of other places, maybe China. Um, and that way your work will be protected. So it is actually very easy to copyright your work here. It depends on the level of copywriting that you have done and your ability to prove that you created it first, you've published it in a public space, or you've taken the steps to either register it here or abroad. Yeah, so so that, that's uh, this, that's very good and it clarifies quite a lot of um, our understanding of of uh, of uh, the animation industry and uh, uh, you know copyright and issues around intellectual property. Um, one of the or at least one of the challenges we've heard from animators um, is is what um, we can say is like an underappreciation of the, their work. Uh, by the Nigerian market, you know, and that this has made it very hard for them to sell their work profitably or to charge, you know, industries um, uh, competitive prices, right? Is the problem really um, about under uh, not being appreciated or is it really the challenge with the competitiveness or level of, uh, of the level of work or production when compared with their foreign counterparts? So is it is it about quality? I mean, I know you have talked about, you know, uh, capacity and, um, you know, uh, a lot of things, um, drivers that have that have made the the space really very challenging. But again, do you see the issue around quality as being that which makes um, the the animator in Nigeria different from, for instance, the animator in in some country in Europe or, or even in South Africa, for instance? Yeah, um, a lot of it is from quality of work, but most of it is from the value that we have placed on the business that we're doing. Um, you know, just piggybacking on the last question and that will lead to this one is um, also, I mean, getting a proper intellectual property lawyer, for example, would actually help protect your work here. Now, most artists will feel that there's no need, but you won't go into most other serious businesses without having some kind of legal representation or the other that would actually do due diligence in ensuring that your work is protected. And it's the same, it goes, you know, with first the behavior and the way artists, you know, and creative people carry themselves, the value they put on their work themselves. Because you find out that when one artist wants to charge a reasonable value for their work, um, they are easily replaced by another one who is not as professional and places very low value on the work and turns out low output of quality. So, you know, first things first is for creators themselves to put, um, I like to use the word professional value on their work to say, I'm a professional, this is what I do, and not and then carry themselves in that manner. Uh, be diligent, um, you know, act professionally in any corporate space, follow the rules, um, behave professionally altogether. And then that will show in the work. And if the work is done professionally, it will increase value. Now, the other part of it also is the market in which you're serving. Um, so for example, there are certain products that will do um, well in Nigeria, but won't do well any other place. There are also certain products that you just can't sell in Nigeria because um, the market can't afford it. So when you're looking at the Nigerian market, for example, um, 
which is not as thriving as the U.S. market. You can't expect to sell in the Nigerian market with the, in, at the same cost that you're selling at the U.S. market. So it's a decision you have to make. Is my market going to be the Nigerian market? And the world is a global space. There are loads of places online where you can sell your work internationally. You can decide, you know what, I am going to target only the international market. But first and foremost, you have to have the professional capacity to handle the clients from the international market. And, you know, professional capacity also means consistency. How consistent are you at delivering as promised? Um, do you have the facility to relate with them? Do you have internet? Um, do you have, do you speak the kind of language that they speak when they ask for, uh, for example, some kind of document as it pertains to IP registration or, you know, handing over the IP to them. Do you understand what they're saying? Do you have a proper invoice? Is your company registered? Do you pay taxes? Do you have means of collecting money from abroad? All those things come together to the value in which the artist can request for um, finance, either locally or internationally. So first, you know, I think artists and creatives themselves have to hold themselves more accountable and carry, carry their, themselves and their activities more professionally. And then second is choosing which market you want to operate in. Do you want to operate in the international market and, you know, carry yourself like an agent of the international market and um, charge that way? Or do you want to focus on the local market, still carry yourself professionally, and increase your value. So it really depends. And I actually think it falls more on the creative than on the environment. Fantastic perspectives and great insights. Thank you so much for this. Just to mention that the American Business Council, uh, in partnership with the Punuka attorneys and solicitors and um, Ohanele law firm, will be hosting the Afro Culture Convention on the 12th and 13th of November. And uh, this convention will convert creatives from different subsectors, uh, lawyers, sector experts, policymakers, government officials who need to hear what we're saying, key industry stakeholders to really facilitate meaningful dialogue about the future of the creative, cultural, hospitality, and tourism industries. Uh, the convention would also highlight the work of creatives and build capacity. So to register um, for this event, uh, please check the American Business Council's website, www.abcnig.com. And so sadly, we have come to the end of the show. Follow the Business Exchange on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. And on social media, please follow us, like I said at the beginning of the show, at abcancel underscore ng on Instagram and on LinkedIn, the American Business Council Nigeria. And see us uh, during the next episode, same time, Tuesday 9th of November. Thank you so much, GD, for coming onto the show. Thank you for having me.